Hey y'all, my name is Meg Sanga and you're listening to In Retrospect, a digital dialogue on the life lessons and lived experiences of queer and trans people of color. A bold and beautiful black and Boricua bear living in greater Philadelphia, Christian Williams is an educator, aspiring performer, queer advocate, and one of Advocate Magazine's 2020 Champions of Pride. Hitting record now. We're real. real. (laughs) How are you? I'm all right. And yourself? I'm doing great. Good. I'm doing good. I'm excited for this. Love to hear it. Uh, (laughs) um, As my introduction of you... um, stated i don't know let me rephrase that as the intro said i think the thing i wanted to kick off this conversation is you were recently named a champion of pride by the advocate magazine so before we go into anything omg what a big deal and how do you feel (laughs) what is it oh my god i feel i feel great like you know um a lot of the work that I did um, that warranted them reaching out um, to let me know about that recognition. Wasn't done with that being the intention, right? And so, you know, mm-hmm. when they reached out to me, I think like early May to let me know that I had been nominated by the editors of the magazine to represent Delaware in this way, um, I was completely shocked and floored. Um, but it just, you know, went to show that you know, people do pay attention even when you think that they are and you are still having an impact. Um, yeah. Sometimes many ways, like beyond what your the scope of your work is. So it made me really excited. It bolstered my confidence in the stuff that I'm doing. So I love that. I love that. I, when I saw, so for everyone listening, um, champion of pride, um, is every year they select, I don't even know, like one person from every state. I forget, like one or two. Yeah, one to two. One to two um, people from every state that's just doing outstanding LGBTQ plus I work, right? Like just our advocates and, you know, movers and shakers, artists, nonprofit, like really anybody and everybody can be, you know, nominated and selected. Um, and Christian was one of them. So Yeah, like... So, fun story. Um, so, uh, you know, I went on uh, the Kesha Weird and Wonderful Rainbow Ride cruise last uh, year. Right? Yes, and I was jealous. <laughs> so, um, Big Frida was a performer on that cruise, and I met her on that cruise. And then a year later, I'm sharing space with her on the Champions of Pride list. Uh, it just blew my mind. Like, she's so well known and such a mainstay in the New Orleans community. And for me, Mm -hmm. as a member of the Black community, she gives me so much life. And I, like, move my body with, you know, reckless abandon to her music. (laughs) And so to know that, like, we're both having an impact and are able to share space on that list was just an honor to me and like 
That's so amazing. many great people, politicians like Pete Buttigieg and Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. Um, Miley Cyrus has been on this list before. Adam Rippon has mm-hmm. been on this list before. Like just so many big and well-known names. And so for a little while, I was just stunned. And I was just like sitting back and thinking, you know, am I deserving of this? Like, mm. et cetera, et cetera. It did not take long for imposter syndrome to come and haunt Fuck me, that hoe. right? Ugh, <laughs> fuck that hoe. But at the Hate same time, like, I also knew that that happens sometimes, and you have to actively combat that voice and absolutely also surround yourself with people that remind you that the work you're doing is impactful and remind you of the impact that you are having. So, mm-hmm. uh, thankfully, I have a wealth of those people in my corner. So. Hell yeah. Y'all, my friend's a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we need to say. We can stop the show. You're a big deal. I've loved it. I've loved you. Done. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm super excited to have you on the show. Um, because I think Christian, you're someone who, you know, we've known each other for a long time. Mm God, like since undergrad days. Mm -hmm. And um, you're someone that I've admired from afar, your work in higher education, your advocacy work with queer people. Like, I've always just been someone who has quietly stand you. And then I got to like, really, really get to know you. I think last year was like, when like, our worlds really collided. And then we got to celebrate World Pride together last year. And that was beautiful. It was amazing. (laughs) It really was. I've never felt more free in Uh, my life. It felt like I had gotten to a place where, like, I was ready to just kind of let things go and just kind of be free. It was was super cool. I'm so grateful to be able to have you on the show to, to get to know you a little bit better. Even like we were talking about this the other day, it was just like, what a great, beautiful space that we get to create to really go deep. Cause we haven't had a lot of time. Christian and I work in different States and different cities and only get to connect, you know, once or twice a year. And so I was like, come on to the show so we can actually like have some quality time together. Definitely. <laughs> So, welcome to In Retrospect, Christian. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Your younger self that we're bringing to the space today, um, kind of before we get into who we're chatting with or who we're chatting about, um, what is your role right now? And, um, like, what do you do? And then, what, how does the advocacy work um, play into all of that? Oh, definitely. So, Um, My current formal role um, is in orientation and transition programs. So I work with our extended programs in the office. Um, I've been at the University of Delaware for four years now. um, And in that work, I um, coordinate programs that help students dive a little bit deeper into themselves, their identities, their interests, Um, before they make the transition into college and during that first semester. So I bring my advocacy work really into a lot of the different things that I do. And like, I fully acknowledge that a lot of the programs that I work with currently mostly um, cater to like white 
and um, mm-hmm. financially able people that are willing and able to put money down to participate in these experiences. And my rationale by doing this work is a, I can be a presence and support for students of color that may be in those spaces as well. um, And may need that connection point and B I can learn how to do that work and then transfer it, translate it to working with students that have backgrounds that are more similar to mine as mm-hmm. a multiracial person of color from a low-income background, first generation. Like, I want to be able mm-hmm. to take all of those skills and have an impact on those communities, too. So, I love that. And the work that you're doing is so important. So thank you for sharing. <laughs> Let's unpack some of the identities that you hold. Yeah. Christian, what do you identify as? So I am multiracial, black, Boricua, and you know, uh, so you know the, the the terms that I use sometimes are interchangeably, right? Like interchangeable. So um, I'm an Afro Latino. Um, I'm originally from New York, so I call myself New Yorican too. <laughs> right? So, Ooh, the New Yorkans, they're yeah, real. They're out. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm a gay guy, um, and I kind of inhabit that intersection of being fabulous and having aro con gandules and the conga greens on the same plate at Thanksgiving. Hey! <laughs> like, that's, just, that's just me. <laughs> oh, God. Those, oh, them, those meals just sound so delicious right, right now. <laughs> right. Right. You're well fed. I love it. Culturally, spiritually, you're well fed. I love mm-hmm. it. As far as who you were when you were younger, you know, what what age range are we thinking of right now? I would say like late middle school through like the entirety of high school. When I think about like the time, the most difficult time for me in like my journey exploring the fullness of who I am, um, especially even apart from my gay identity, um, it's really that time that was the most tumultuous Um, But that I also learned a lot from in the sense that, like, I made decisions that by the time that I graduated from high school, I wanted to separate myself and distance myself from those decisions that I had made and who I was in high school, um, because I dimmed my shine in a lot of ways. And I wanted to run off to college and do something different. And Mm -hmm. that's... It's kind of what happened. Um, But when, you know, when I was in high school, um, I went to Miami Senior High, go Stings. Okay. um, And, (laughs) um, you know, in the middle of Little Havana in Miami. And so Mm. um, very Latino high school, uh, you know, but also had its share of white students and black students and um, me being multiracial and also, you know, dabbling in my identity as, you know, not necessarily gay, but someone who was different and at that mm. point didn't really have the language to, you know, associate with. Um, I, I found myself mm-hmm. caught in between 
different worlds and not really feeling or being fully accepted into any of them. Um, I was uh, too black for the white kids, too uh, white acting for the black kids because a lot of who I am as a gay man I got from like pop culture and, you know, the the iconic women of music and like Mm -hmm. that, that was very much um, a part (laughs) of me. And so they were too fond of that. And and of course it's high school. People don't really have the language or ability to interact in as mature a way um, as they do when they're out of that environment. Um, And obviously it was a Latino high school. So all over the place, there were people that looked like me, but I am not fluent in Spanish and mm. I wasn't really able to fully feel like a part of that culture as well. And so I kind of found myself without a home in a lot of ways mm. and with a, um, without people that I felt would really understand who I was and where I was coming from. It did not help that I was from a low income background. I would take the public bus from my high school to Overtown in Miami, which is one of the most rough areas of the city um, Mm. and not really have the money to go out to the movies or hang out at Sunset Place with my, you know, the friends that I did have and like, et cetera. So um, I tried to fill that void by virtue of like getting involved in campus activities. I wanted to be known as a leader okay. in okay. that space. Um, and even that was a struggle. I felt like I was constantly having to um, go above and beyond to please the people that I was around rather mm. than anyone feeling like they should take the time to get to know me as well. It was a very interesting time in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. You, that, that story right there, you gave us so much in that story. You talked about, you know, the, for a lot of biracial individuals, it's like, I'm not enough for any particular piece of my identity. And that's a struggle that so many students, like so many kids and so many people in general mm-hmm. still deal with today. Right. Um, I, and I'm and I'm curious to know, and, and I think the thing I do want to go a little bit deeper on is just, you know, when that type of stuff happens, like, how do you handle it? You know, I think that for me, the 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 first thing was uh, finding someone that you're able to be open and honest about how you're feeling with. Um, Mm. And for me, that was my mother. My mother has been my constant best friend, supporter. Mm. Like even when she didn't really understand um, the fullness and richness of my identity back then, um, she always operated from a place of care for me and who I was as a person um as and as her baby right like (laughs) as as her oldest baby um oh my god and so being able to be honest even when it was difficult um Mm -hmm. and having the difficult conversations like when I did come out I initially came out as by and I hate like even referring to that period in my life because I never especially now that 
Um, I have come such a long way in knowledge about my own identity and the identity of others. I mm. didn't like, I did have to, or feel like I needed to use it as a stepping stone for me mm. to get to a point where I was able and willing to identify fully as gay because okay. I felt like I, if I still claimed to have that love and affection for women, I still do just as a friend and like a cop and <laughs> right? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? I was like, where is he going? Like, what is he going to say? Right, like, I still have that, right? But like, not in that way. And, yeah. and I felt like if I still claimed to be sexually attracted to women, um, that it would feel like I was more on the right course um, compared mm. to someone that just identified as gay, right? Mm. Yeah, so, like, having that conversation with her and even kind of, like, having her support me as I continued that journey of finding myself, um, it made me feel valued. And at the end of the day, even if I had had a shit day at school, I could still come home to a cheerleader mm. who loved every piece of me regardless of whether or not she fully understood i love that mm -hmm. i love that so much i also love that you <laughs> not that you're dragging by people by any means <laughs> but i think it's funny because my first three guests all identify as bi ah. um and so i'm like yes let's have a fully proud gay man on the show <laughs> to take us into a new part of the story yeah. and i love it i'm down i'm for it um so yeah you said that your mom you know how you you shared a little bit about the coming out story um with her but um would be curious to know you know in retrospect if you could think about any of those times when you were younger when you started you, you could have like you know the clues to your queerness per se mm. like if you were to think back at Young Christian, what are some of those moments for you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, first off, um, I remember I talked about, you know, the divas of music earlier. Um, and uh, I connected to music very early on. I had always, you know, starting from, like, middle school, I was um, in talent shows and um, I sang alongside one of my instructors who played guitar and like he was just like you have a great voice you want to sing and like did that right and so mm -hmm. music has always been a part of me and who I am and then like just something about these fierce women uh, just excited me. I remember being in like late elementary, early middle school and um, listening to, you know, first off, dancing my ass off to Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie Minogue, which was probably the first <laughs> song that I was just like, who is this? And then I listened to her entire discography. I'm still a diehard fan. I still not, have oh not God. seen her in concert, but I want to. Mm. I was a huge Christina Aguilera fan as well. Oh, my gosh. Um, I remember um, <clears throat> moving from New York to Miami via the Amtrak 
um, which was like, I want to say like a 20 hour ride. And I listened to Christina Aguilera's stripped album on repeat (laughs) the entire time. Um, And so, yeah, like, you know, being open and honest, especially like earlier on when you're just trying to share pieces of who you are with people, Mm -hmm. people looking at you sideways and being like, oh, you're one of those, Mm -hmm. right? Or like they have their own preconceived notions as to if you like this kind of music, you're X, Y, Z. And then I'm just Mm -hmm. like, well, then maybe so. But then like, that's not also (laughs) the case for everyone, right? (laughs) And so um, there was that. Um, I remember um, my mom, after like I had officially like finally gone through the process of coming out, like she was just like, you know, I knew early, I knew pretty early on uh, that. Yeah, I know. I knew pretty early on that you were a part of that community. (laughs) And I'm just like, why? And she told me like, there were times when I was in like the third, fourth, fifth grade. um, And uh, I used to watch the show Zoom on PBS. (laughs) Right. Wait, was Zoom queer? No, it wasn't. It it wasn't. But what would happen would like you know how they had their 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 little intro and they're like that. Come on, Zoom. Come on, Zoom. And I know. And um, they would like all introduce themselves, and the girls would introduce themselves, and they, you know, I would be like. Oh, she's pretty. She like I like her outfit. I like the color of her shirt. And then like this one boy, Jared, would introduce himself, and I'm just like, he's cute. <laughs> <laughs> he's cute. He's good looking. Uh, and, and he was like this little white boy with a mushroom haircut. <laughs> and, and my mom would just be sitting behind me on the couch with me crisscross applesauce in front of the TV watching this show, just shaking her head, just being like, hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how like she started getting the tinges of like, there's something up with this one. This one has a journey to go on, apparently. <laughs> so. I can't breathe. Oh, my God. I'm crying. Yeah. <laughs> I need a drill done. It was a fun time. It was a fun time. You know, but it's it's just, you know, it's a time of like such innocence when you look back at it. It's like you don't realize that you are having those moments that like gave you clues to who you really were on the inside until you look back on those times in retrospect and (laughs) and you notice like, okay, there, there were clues. Mm hmm. There, there were clues, there were signs, mm-hmm. whether they're big flashing and neon or, or subtle and hints. subtle. Mm-hmm. Love them. Gotta love yes. them. Oh, Christian, you talk a lot about, you know, in the beginning of your story, 
how you moved through middle school, high school, and then into college. And you mentioned the the not having the language piece, right? Mm -hmm. Of I didn't necessarily know exactly what, you know, in regards to your sexuality, what it all meant Mm -hmm. per se. Um, So for you, when was the time or when did you start feeling comfortable with your queer identity, your biracial identity? Mm -hmm. Like when did you finally feel like, okay, this feels right. Yeah. I started making steps, I want to say, like freshman and sophomore year of college, right? Um, mm. So when I started, um, I had a really, really good friend. Shout out to Jimmy Gamito. Um, <laughs> one of my good friends from, um, we weren't actually like good friends in high school, but he was one of the Miami High grads that I knew um, from a year before me that had gone to mm. FIU and started like, um, building his collegiate life there. And so when I made the decision to stay in Miami and go to FIU, I reached out to him because he was one of the only gay people I knew. Um, And he helped introduce me to people. Um, He introduced me to some of my very best friends till this day. Um, And Mm. they really like bolstered and supported me. Um, I considered joining his fraternity um, because he at the time was, and obviously still to this day, um, is a member of Delta Lambda Phi um, fraternity, which is a fraternity for gay, bi, and progressive men. Um, FYI, so that exists. Um, (laughs) And yeah. Where have I yeah. been? Yeah, and so he invited me to, like, hang out with them, to meet them, um, and they really, like, helped welcome me to FIU and gave me, like, my first connection to the queer community community there, but mm-hmm. I was not comfortable with my identity to a point where I was, like, super eager to join. Um, sure. And so... Um, I ended up becoming a member of uh, my fraternity, Phi Sigma Kappa, um, and joined a fraternity with two members that was in danger of closing. Um, And my rationale was, if I step in and help save this organization and help bolster it and make it bigger and better, when I do go about the process of coming out, um, I will have become such a leader in this organization that, you know, if they say something to me and piss me off, I can leave and take my talents with me. <laughs> right? Wow. Um, and, and so when it came to fraternity in life, that's kind of like the direction that I went in. Um, and then with my identity as a biracial, Um, It wasn't until I got to FIU that um, I found other Black people that I was able to connect with. Because obviously going to a Hispanic-serving institution, the Latino culture is all around you. Like even the fraternities, the IFC fraternities, um, were for the most part all Latino guys, right? Mm. And so... um, I didn't necessarily like need a more strong connection to that part of my identity per se, but I really wanted to explore my black identity um, and explore that side of myself. So I ended up joining the black student union um, at FIU. um, And then I became one of their Greek relations officers focused with 
um, on their relationship with the interfraternity council organizations. So it kind of straddled that line and helped those two bodies talk to each other almost. Um, yeah. Which helped me feel like I had a role to play in kind of inhabiting that intersection and being able to help those two communities understand each other and bolster each other. Mm. Um, and so I was able to find a place to contribute, but I also found people that, you know, even though I'm just like, I'm biracial and I'm not fully black, they're just like, you're black. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter that you're mm -hmm. biracial, you're black. <laughs> and yeah. so yeah. it may add nuance to your black experience, and there are other right. things that you need to keep in mind, right? Because you can be multiracial or biracial and have racist tendencies or self-loathing mm -hmm. tendencies um, related to one side or the other. Those are still things that I confront to this day, right? Like mm. years and years later. But um, yeah, like they, they gave me a space to, to work through those questions um and for that i'm like extremely grateful and both of those organizations kind of set me up to really take charge as a leader on my campus and um mm. to do so with um an understanding and love for what i had to bring to the table with all of those identities included i love that I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Christian. <laughs> uh, this is where we take our break. Hey, y'all, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of In Retrospect and wanted to take a moment to thank a few awesome people who donated money to support the show um, Amber Hurt, Stephanie Aguilar, Dandelion Hill. Kirby R. Gibson, Eileen Rodriguez, Haley Burrow, Natalie Emerson, Savannah Higgins, Helen Perry, Tim Layson, Corey Davis, Andres Acosta, and Jen Fry. Thanks, y'all, so much for supporting me in this show. Um, I'm going to be doing more shout-outs throughout the season, but if you're wondering how you can support In Retrospect, check out our website at inretrospect.com. That's In Retrospect with a Q. Um, for the links to our I Fund Women fundraising campaign, as well as our Patreon page. Thanks so much, and let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back, everybody. Someday I'll figure out like a fun transition song or thing or noise to segue into the whole kit and caboodle but this is my favorite part of the show this is selfishly because i get to talk about old shit and <laughs> i love old <laughs> so uh christian we were talking a little bit about some of your <laughs> your first icons kylie minogue uh -huh. christina aguilera uh -huh. <laughs> um i'm <laughs> i'm just laughing because i can see you in that space like little christian just being like oh my god <laughs> they're so great me and my cd and player <laughs> you and your cd player and your little case of cds right just trying to 
change things and whenever we had those still right um is there any other pop stars anybody else back in the day that just like you still stand for you know one that i have not spoken about and i have no choice but to shout out um i discovered when i was a first year in college and that mm-hmm. is none other but the absolutely beautiful incomparable janelle monet um mm-hmm. i yes. i have followed janelle monet since the very like toward the very beginning of her career i remember stumbling upon her album the arc android um mm-hmm. and uh, listening to that masterpiece and being like who is this woman? Um, and I went back and listened to her older discography. Um, and I just really loved and connected with um, the story that she was telling through her music. And I've been able to see that story evolve over time. Um, yeah. You know, A lot of her music has been, um, or the story that she was telling has been focused on um, the archetype of the android and the android representing the other in society be it if you're Mm -hmm. black be it if you're queer be it if you have a disability be it etc and so i just really connected with that because it didn't necessarily pinpoint any identity in particular it just said this is what you know it referred to what it's like to feel different and to feel Mm. persecuted for being different so i really resonated with that on top of that fashion amazing like i saw her go from her tuxedo looks back in the day early in her career to her rocking the red carpet um you know uh, an amazing actress i saw her in hidden figures can't get enough of it like dirty computer was an amazing album um, and I was able to like see yes. just how much she has evolved and grown and has been able to take the story that she created back then and really um, make it intertwine with the realities of what we are facing today. It, she's Absolutely. just an amazing, amazing person. Um, mm-hmm. Another person I want to shout out is Stephen Canals. Um, okay. uh, the writer, the main writer, um, of Pose wrote the pilot mm. episode. I don't know if you know this, Meg, but he, um, also began working in higher education before <gasps> he wrote the pilot episode for Pose. What? He stopped working in student affairs and pursued a screenwriting degree and then worked on workshopped and then worked with ryan murphy to get the show off the ground and so i got to meet him as well not too long ago he came to the university of delaware and in my role as um the chair of the pride caucus they invited us to um to see um and 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 my my partner um is honduran and is absolutely obsessed with him as well because he's really into screenwriting as well um and also has like a pilot that he's working on and Mm. you know fine-tuning 
Um, and so Stephen is like a huge inspiration to both of us that we've been able to like, talk that. about. Yeah, it's cool. It's I a lot of fun. Um, going back to other favorites, um, throwback favorites. Do you have any childhood nicknames? <laughs> so I did have one. Um, my childhood nickname was Cuz Cuz. <laughs> what? Cuz Cuz. Literally Cuz Cuz. Um, and I actually like talked to my mom recently because I wanted to confirm my understanding of like exactly why that nickname. Okay. Stuck. Um, I have a younger brother. I'm the oldest of five, by the way. The youngest are like nine and six. Um, wow. And my the the brother that comes after me, his name is Jonathan. Um, and when he was a baby, he could not pronounce my name. And so he just called me Cuz Cuz. And the name stuck because it was him trying uh. to pronounce my name. <laughs> and then other people in the family started calling me it. And there you go. That's, I kind of love that. <laughs> I kind of love that a lot. Mm. Okay. As far as style, right? Mm -hmm. So what kind of style did you have as a kid? We always talk about, or, you know, today's kids look really great <laughs> and also look way more mature uh -huh. than they might be, maybe. Um, but when you were a kid, what did you look like? What was your, what was the vibe? Not much at all. Um <laughs> <laughs> we've come a long way baby um, <laughs> um no i you know i will say like i went through different phases too right like I, at one okay. point like you know the 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 people that i connected with most you know toward the tail end of my high school career were people that were card you know part of that like emo slash punk scene like ish mm -hmm. right so yeah. i had like a my emo punk phase i had did i did i had my skull print <laughs> backpack i had oh my, my vans yes. i had um i dyed my hair blonde oh I, my I got my eyebrow pierced like, yeah, yes. yeah, like, you know, so that when I think about that time in my life, I definitely <laughs> remember, like, yeah, you had your time where you were listening to your Avenged Sevenfold and your Panic at the oh Disco and, like, all of that stuff. Yeah. Yes. Which people, like, they yeah. would look at me today and be like, yeah, we wouldn't see that for you. But, like, mm -hmm. I still listen to Avenged Sevenfold and Panic till this day because... Yes. Regardless of where it comes from or what scene it comes from, if the music's good, the music's good. Yes, I agree. I agree. Mm. I'm also just so happy because I, <laughs> I don't think I, I don't keep it a secret, but I'm pretty like low key. I was like, yes, I, I used to be an emo kid and I used to work at Hot Topic and I used to have purple hair and like not even purple real hair, purple extensions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's be real. And I love to hear when people are like me too and i'm like yay mm, little emo mm. kid and it also makes me really happy when it's like someone who's not white because there's this like misnomer that like pop punk and all of that is just for the white kids and i don't think so right I don't yeah think that's no real. exactly 
Love that. Ah, oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> We're just bonded. <laughs> I love Panic at the Disco. Oh my God. Um, whew, okay. So I do want to ask a question about food because you brought it up earlier. A, I'm still hungry. Haven't really had lunch yet. Yeah. So this is also informing what I'm going to order uh-huh. when I get off. <laughs> um, when you think of childhood food favorites, you know, what are those foods that you're growing up with? What would you see on the plate? Things that your family or mom would make for you? Oh my God. Um, well, I will say I have been a huge fan of mac and cheese for a mm. very long time. <laughs> um, and yeah, um, I, it puts me in a carb coma all the time. <laughs> but hey, like cheesy goodness. Um what else? Um, I, you know, for Thanksgiving, I always like, I feel like I return to my roots inhabiting the intersection of being black and Boricua at Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and Christmas. Um, so I always look forward to the tail end of the year because like it's Thanksgiving, my um, birthday, Christmas and New mm. Year's, which is my favorite holiday. Um, and nice. there's like, you know, traditions associated with all of them. So um, uh, for example, like Benin roast pork at Christmas, uh, right? And like smelling mm-hmm. the spices emanating and, so you know, <laughs> through yes. the apartment. Um, I know how to make like a really good yams dish, right? And like mm. a sweet potato casserole, like all of those different things. Those are all things that um are our mainstays that I still till this day I can look forward to when I think of the family. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I it, there's something about food and childhood and it, it's also probably because there's smells attached to it, but those are just such rich memories. Mm-hmm. And oh now I'm really, really hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Um okay, okay. Maybe one or two more, and then we'll jump into the last piece of King Caboodle, which is my favorite. But you mentioned a childhood crush from Zoom. <laughs> oh, Jared. 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 And, and, you know, unfortunately, Jared passed away, and I found oh, out I was heartbroken. <laughs> and I found out, like, so I found out a couple of years ago, he passed away in a car accident, I believe. Um, and so I was just like, oh, of course it was the one that I had like the strongest connection Mm -hmm. to that we lost, Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, um, that was a thing. So celebrity crushes and, or like early childhood crushes. Do you have any like childhood crushes? Yeah. So I was thinking about it. Um, I do love Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) Still do. Henry Cavill, yes. um, JC, oh yeah. I know, right? JC Chazé from Insync. Like, I was always a JC Chazé <laughs> fan. I was just like, Justin, what? Eh, give me some JC Chazé any day of the week. Oh my God. Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees. <laughs> oh my God. Not Nick Lachey. <laughs> Yeah. Um, who else? Shamar Moore. 
who wow. is absolutely mm. gorgeous. I mean, mm. truly, honestly. 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 Yeah, you know, those those are the names that that come to mind. Um, and, and and you know, I and and one thing as a as a bold bear, right, who is a little bit bigger and stockier, there aren't very many like celebrities that kind of fit that bill. There needs to be more mm-hmm. of us out there, but it takes you know that sort of like body structure and image being embraced and accepted by the masses and it's not quite there Mm -hmm. yet right i realize that we might need a primer for anyone listening who doesn't know what a bear is the christian yeah in your own words yeah so the bear community Mm -hmm. my in my words the bear community is basically um a community full of uh mostly gay men right but um if women want to come to bear events, sure, that's fine too, right? Um, but it's a very body positive community. It involves people of um, all shapes and sizes, but it was really began, um, it began, if, to my understanding, as an offshoot or extension of the leather movement um, mm. and provided a space for guys of all types and you know body hair and all of those things to feel comfortable, confident, sexy, um, and so there's like that if you hear the term otter, an otter is like a skinnier but hairy guy, right? They're a part yeah. of the bear community. Um, okay. So yeah, like it, it's just a community full of people that are a little bit more open when it comes to body image and making sure that people feel comfortable and accepted. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. I love that. Ah, shout out to all the bears out there. We love you. Stan, we're happy that you're here. I am going to, speaking of bears, we're going to look at some pictures of you as a little cub. Oh. Um, I'm going to, <laughs> this is the part of my show where I'm going to pull up some photos of you on your Facebook. You don't know what photo oh. I'm pulling up. Oh. I'm going to just, the photo and you are going to tell me just what's going on you know share with the audience kind of like what is happening in this photo what was going on in your life at the time maybe the age and the event or whatever so super arbitrary I'm going to share my screen with you and this is the first photo (laughs) so for listening Christian is this is what I see and Christian you can you know you can confirm or deny but this is what I see Christian is younger Christian Christian does not have a beard yes you <laughs> look like you're either in middle school or high school you have um, either a friend or a family member next to you and you're in a field I don't even know I see golf carts in the background so I feel maybe you're standing on a golf course and there's maybe a mountain ridge behind mm-hmm. you um and like a community center or house in the background but you have this like half smirk on your face so i have no idea what else is going on you're in a dress shirt so maybe it's like a 
dance you're about to go to i don't know what's going on so this was so this was 2007 so i was i believe it was the summer between my what uh sophomore and junior year if i'm not mistaken um and uh it is at a young life camp so young life was basically a um christian youth outreach organization that I got connected to, um, and it, um, was basically like a camp. So my friend, Jasenia, that's her name, Jasenia Downs, shout out to Jasenia. Um, I actually literally just reconnected with Jasenia in January. Um, so I went on a visit to Chicago, um, after many, many years of not seeing and speaking to each other, um, we were finally able to like reconnect and it was one hell of a time just reminiscing on the years that have passed since this photo was taken and since we met each other when we were in high school. Um, but yeah, I was not anywhere close to being out. Um, and especially in that environment, I was very much like, you know, keeping to myself yeah. when it came to that part of my identity. But um, uh, it, I've dabbled in religion. I've like fell into it and fallen out of it. Um, and sure. that just so happened to be one of those, those moments that I was exploring that side of myself. I think that, yeah, no, this is the one. I think that was easy for me. Oh. Um, Christian, you are surrounded by a bunch of dudes yep. who love cargo shorts. Ah, My God. Ah, 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 <laughs> There's so ah, many cargo shorts in this photo. You look oh, like you're in a grass parking lot. You're standing in a truck bed surrounded by these guys. It looks very straight. To be very honest, this is the straightest situ situation. I might have ever seen you. <laughs> <laughs> that is the straightest situation I was ever in, period. It got more and more gay from me for the, from there, you know? Um, that's my fraternity pledge cl uh, class um, for the most part. Um, so most of those guys are my pledge brothers. Um, mm. And, you know, uh, like I was saying earlier, um, my fraternity years um were very impactful in um in unexpected ways as well i think that a lot of these guys became better people by virtue of their relationship with me and vice versa um wow. like there there are they were guys that like for the most part when i met them they were very much like machismo in nature like when you're mm. coming from a mostly predominantly Latino community that in a lot of ways is inherent in how you are brought up. Um, yeah. But then I went through my coming out process and they were there like with me every step of the way. There were guys mm. that we ended up recruiting that, you know, I have five little brothers in the organization um, mm. because they saw me, I even adopted two, like three of them were like given and then two of them were adopted because they kind of saw me as like a mentor figure in the chapter. And sure. as I, you know, went about coming out, they like showed up for me in ways I was not expecting. I remember, um, one of my little brothers and his best friend, 
um, texted one of my really good friends, Tish, to find out where we were during Miami Beach Gay Pride. Um, and we happened to be in a bar, me and her just having drinks. And they walked in and surprised me at Miami Beach Gay Pride. And like, I lost it. Like, I was completely in tears because that's not something that, like, I expected. That's not something that I, you know, needed to have happen or, like, wanted to have happen. Like, (sighs) at the end of the day, like, I feel like I did need that moment because it reminded me that in addition to the role that I played, I really had to give some of my fraternity brothers more credit when it came to yeah. their ability to learn and to grow and to get to a place where they were willing to support me and yeah. other brothers like me in that way. So yeah, I love them. I'm still really involved with the fraternity till this day, the national fraternity, when the news came out about the advocate posted um, something about me with that bright, beautiful rainbow picture and everything on their Facebook page. Like it has been such a gift to be able to blaze the trail for other LGBT members of our organization and in Greek life in general. Um, And I have my chapter brothers to thank for giving me that space to grow. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Yes. All right. I take back the comments about the cargo shorts. You guys are great. (laughs) Listen, our style has evolved as well. So a lot of of things have, you know, evolved. Thankfully, you didn't really grab a lot of shots with uh, a full body uh, look because my style was not nearly (laughs) as refined (laughs) as, you know, it is now. So. It's called growth, y'all. It's called called growth. 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 Um, When we come back, it's time for the letter. So thank you for joining me with Kit and Caboodle, Christian. I hope you had some fun. I did. I did. And laughed a lot. (laughs) Here at In Retrospect, we like our guests to have the last word. Christian, if you could write a letter to your younger self, what would you say? Hey, kiddo. It's been a while. 13 years to be exact. You know how they say that time heals all wounds? Well, it does. But what the adage doesn't tell you is that time also gives you new ones. Month after month, year after year, new tears, new pains, new scars, many of them internally, on your mind and in your heart. They will make you stronger though. And you, my friend, are a warrior in the making, a courageous and charming one at that. You will grow to become one of the most brave and beautiful men on the battlefield. I remember how it felt to go to school every day feeling ashamed of every single part of you, quickly discovering that you were too black for the white kids, too white acting for the black kids. And though you looked like the Latino kids, You lacked the language to engage in a way that made you feel fully a part of that culture, too. Too poor, too fat, too flamboyant. I remember how it felt to want friends so desperately that you became a conformist, 
beginning in middle school, when you were bullied out of your dreams of becoming a performer, you found it difficult yet necessary to abandon or stifle the authentic pieces of yourself in that effort to fit in. And I remember how you felt when even that didn't work, crushing your spirit and wondering if you would ever find someone, anyone besides your mom, to confide in, to trust in, and to show you the love that you have always been so willing to give. Dimming your magic, but still left feeling tragic. Fast forward to 2020. I'm here to report that at 28 years old, you are now out, brown, and very proud with your beautiful smile in the pages of the gayest of magazines and surrounded by people that adore you with a stable job and well on your way toward building the life of your dreams. Remembering how eager you were to graduate and head off to college, even though your high school was just miles away from campus, because it gave you an opportunity to start fresh and on your own terms. Recalling how first your girls and then your five sig guys and then your own little gaggle of gays came out of the woodwork to surround you with support. And then you found mentors who were willing to polish what you thought was only a chunk of coal, but ended up being a diamond in the rough. With a way with words and an innate ability to inspire, you made it your mission to ensure that no one would feel as horrible as you did back then. Recommitting to that goal when not just one, but two little brothers came into your life. As you looked into their eyes and squeezed their cheeks, you realized your belief in the potential for people of all kinds to shine bright, so long as I became one of those people willing to polish diamonds in disguise, too. If I could be that person for my students and friends, imagine what kind of inspiration I could be for the little ones. And reflecting on how free you feel now, because only you know what it took to get there, instead of waiting for the world to grant you the freedom to live as vividly as you'd imagine, you've claimed that freedom for yourself. In the process, you've lost friends, you've lost opportunities, you even ended up losing your own father, all because you helped your mother feel free too by bolstering her confidence and breaking her from the chains of abuse. There will still be days that feel dark, that make you wonder if all of the pain has been worth it, that make you want to abandon hope, especially in a world that is still ever cruel to people like you. But then, when life knocks you down, you will tend to your scars and live to fight another day, dancing in the middle of the battlefield with your armor golden and glistening in the light, boldly, gracefully, and ever defiant. Christian Alexander, the Great. In Retrospect is created and hosted by me, Meg Sunga, and produced by Dustin Pankow. Editing and mixing by Shay Willard. Transcript and show notes by our favorite librarian, Mary Coley. Our executive producers are Danny Nzueto and Corey Davis. Cover art by Andrew Angstadt. Special thanks to Maven Leadership Collective, iFund Women, and St. Pete's Greenhouse. If you like In Retrospect, follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. For our episode transcript, show notes, and even more nostalgic fun, head to www.inretrospect.com. <laughs>